I know it doesn't sound like a Friday topic. I think it is. Who comes to mind when I say the word Alzheimer's? When I tell people about the story I've been working on lately and that the main character is an unreliable narrator because he's been diagnosed with Alzheimer's, there is a pause. And then I hear this. Hey, let me tell you about my dad. Let me tell you about my mom or my grandfather or my wife, my husband. Alzheimer's is a cruel, isolating, and exhausting diagnosis. More than 6 million Americans are going through it. Think of all the family and friends related to that person. So today I'm going to open the lines for you, and I want to see if you agree with Greg. He wrote me the other day. I want you to hear his words, and then we're going to begin. Welcome to the continuing conversation we call Chris Fabry Live online. ChrisFabryLive.org. Thanks to Ryan McConaughey doing all things technical. Trish is our producer. Gabby T's in the chair. Laura will be answering your calls today. And since it's Friday, that's right, it's time for the fabulous Fabry Friday Sigh. Here's what it does. One, we oxygenate your blood. Two, we get your endorphins going. Three, we raise your serotonin level. Four, we promote lymphatic drainage. And five, we stimulate your parasympathetic system. That's why we call it the five lung languages. We also stimulate your vagus nerve. We help you release acetylcholine, and don't forget what it does to cortisol dissipation. Take in four seconds of air through your nose right now. Hold it four seconds, and then as you release that air through your mouth, push on the left side of your rib cage to get rid of all that bad carbon dioxide. Today we give a two weeks before Black Friday sigh, 13 days before Thanksgiving sigh, a sigh for the number of times you're going to hear, can you believe it's only fill-in-the-blank days until Christmas? As I look at the calendar, it's six weeks and three days. And give a sigh for children who feel the exact opposite. It's 45 days to Christmas? That's too long. All to live like children again, squeezing every bit of time out of each day, looking at the world through a magnifying glass of hope and wonder instead of watching it pass in a blur from a speeding train like I do. (laughs) And there you have it, another fabulous February Friday sigh, all rights reserved, void where prohibited. Hey, happy Valentine! Uh, not Valentine's, Veterans Day early, a day early. Thank you for your service, friend. If you're a veteran, you know, know one, love one. I've had an interesting thing happen in the last few weeks as I've talked about the story that has been <laughs> getting me up for the last three years. Um, what, is, what is your story, Chris? Let me ask you that rhetorically. Here's the elevator pitch. A writer diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's has to solve the mystery of his own life and the murder of someone in his hometown before he forgets. Can God forgive the sins I don't remember is the main question. His name is Grayson Hayes. I was talking with a man in England who was interviewing me about this. It was a few weeks ago, and it happened there, and then it happened here. Before the program, I'll be talking with a guest, and uh, a kind one will say, hey, Chris, what have you been working on lately? And I'll tell him about Grayson. It happened with Greg, the truck driver, the other day. And what happens is this. There is a pause, and the person kind of leans forward a little and says, let, let me tell you about, and then they fill in the blank, my dad. Let me tell you about my grandmother and what our family's been through. Sometimes it's my wife is going through this right now or my husband. We had Pastor Mike Glenn on with us. It's been a couple of years now, I think. Talked about having coffee with his mother. I think we've re-aired that program just about (laughs) as many times as we've re-aired anything because it was so good how he dealt with what his mother went through as she 
went through the deep waters of Alzheimer's. And what transpires then from that point on, the story is both bitter and sweet. It's both hard and tender. And so here's what I want to do today on a Friday. I want to read you what Greg said, and I want you to tell me if he's right. November's Alzheimer's Awareness Month. I don't put all the awareness items on my calendar. I, I, I can't keep up with all of them. But um, I've, I've seen in the last few years what the dementia diagnosis does. And the first thing that I noticed is it isolates the diagnosee and the family, the people around him or her, because it is just so hard. It is so all-encompassing. It's generally not public until a celebrity brings a little light to this. And I'm grateful to Glenn Campbell's family and uh, his wife, Kim, that they were able to show a little of what went on through what Glenn went through and and kind of shine a light on that a few years ago. And you'd see these moments of clarity in the middle of the fog and the repeated questions and the anger you'd see these glimpses of brilliance of the person that you used to know, the person who walks out of the fog and plays a riff on the guitar, just amazing, and then moves back into the shadows. Here's what I want you to respond to today. And uh, it's why I want to do this on a Friday when we have lighter topics to get you into the weekend, because I'm not trying to make this a light topic What I'm trying to do is showcase both the truth of the pain as well as the sweet memories. Greg says this, Your novel, Saving Grace, and popped into my Audible library this morning. I'm halfway through, really enjoying it. I'm a truck driver, and Tuesdays are generally the only day I'm driving local. I'm traveling from northwest Oregon to central Oregon. I was disappointed when I had to stop and make deliveries. (laughs) And he puts a smiling face. I should finish it up on my trip back this afternoon. Thank you for writing this. Now, this is where he leans forward. I lost my dad to Alzheimer's four years ago. It is certainly a terrible disease, but it's not all gloom and doom. I'm grateful for the eight years we had to say goodbye. I have a lot of wonderful memories from that time. Does that touch a nerve at all for you? Is Greg getting at something that that resonates? I want you to lean forward today. I want you to tell me about the person who comes to mind when you hear that awful word, Alzheimer's. Tell me if Greg is right. He says it's not all gloom and doom. Have you seen those moments of clarity that, that make you smile or tear up as you try to love that person well? And again, this is not putting a silver lining on Alzheimer's or to make it palatable, I'm, I'm simply asking, are there any glimpses of grace in the middle of that journey that you've been on? Here's the number, 877-548-3675. 877-548-3675. You can also answer on Facebook. I've got a couple of posts up there for you. I think I'd probably go get some emails from this too, because How do you distill an experience like this in a phone call in a couple of minutes or a few sentences on social media? I don't think you can, but let's try anyway. What do you say? 877-548-3675. 
3675. I knew we were in for something good when Lori put this on Facebook. After my mom passed away, I moved in to help my dad and keep him in his home. We watched him lose himself through Alzheimer's. But there were glimpses now and again, sweet moments of brief clarity. The smile in his eyes, we would connect if only for a brief moment. I had always been closer to my mom and was devastated when I lost her, but God in his wonderful love gave me 10 years getting to know my dad better through caring for him through this disease. I treasure that he felt safe with me and that I could care for him, love on him. It was hard, but the experience drew me closer in my relationship with Christ, relying on his grace every day and being able to speak that into my dad's last days here on earth. I'm loving your book, Saving Grace, and I'm not finished yet, but I am seeing my dad as I read it, especially him trying to drive off on his own. And uh, spoiler alert, <laughs> Grayson is a force of nature, and he <laughs> I probably had him go you know, run away too, too many times, but I just couldn't help it. Um, that's what I want to hear from you today at 877-548-3675. Yes, I know it's hard. It is gloomy, it is really, really difficult, it is isolating, and yet there are sweet moments of brief clarity. Tell me about yours, 877-548-3675. We're talking about your Alzheimer's journey today, meaning as you've journeyed with someone you've tried to love well, did you encounter God's grace in the middle of that long goodbye? 877-548-3675. Just you and me today. I might have a story for you a little later in the program. Cindy is in Strongsville, Ohio. Hi, Cindy. Go right ahead. Hi, Chris. Thanks so much for having me on your phone, on your program. (laughs) Um, Both. Both my phone and my program. (laughs) I just want to tell you a little bit about my mom. Uh, Her name was Pat. She suffered from dementia for uh, a little over 10 years. She passed away three years ago in October. And my mom was a, a person. She was a warm hug with a sweet smile and a wooden spoon in her hand. She was a tough woman who, um, raised five kids. Um, she became pregnant at 16, had two of my stepbrothers, and then met my dad and had three more. And uh, she was my best friend. She, We did everything together. But uh, the last, uh, let's see, in 2016, my husband and I had uh, we always lived near near my parents and my kids grew up with my mother and but we had to leave Columbus uh, Cleveland Ohio and move to Columbus for a short period of time but then we came back and while we were looking for home we ended up living with my parents so for the next two and a half years I I helped my dad care for my mom and uh, the the two best <laughs> the two best memories are. Uh, my mother never smoked a day in her life, and one day, uh, but she wore lipstick every single day. And one day, she was digging around in her pocket, 
And she said, now, now, where are my cigarettes? And then all of a sudden she looked at me and she said, now, why did I say that? I haven't smoked a day in my life. <laughs> she was looking for a lipstick case. Is that what she's doing? Yeah, she was looking for her lipstick and uh, cigarettes came out and, of her mouth. But <laughs> um, And then uh, you could put on music. She couldn't remember. She always remembered the names of her kids in order, uh, and she always remembered me uh, because I was there a lot. Um, but it brought my, I have four brothers, it brought us closer together as we all pitched in and took different uh, ways to care for her and help my dad. I, I totally agree. It did not isolate us. It brought us together. And when my mom uh, passed away in October, my father actually died suddenly 30 days later. Mm. Um, and so my brothers and I decided that for the next year, we would get together once a month at each other's homes and celebrate oh. my parents. And I'm not close with my brothers. I'm the only believer in the family. Um, we're all very different, but... Uh, there has been amazing things that have been happening in my family be because of the grief that we have shared. So that is so good to hear. And grief. And again, you're not saying it was easy. It was a walk in the park, but there were these glimpses, these, and the way that they brought you uh, siblings together. Cindy, thank you for starting us off today. And if you're just joining us, you said, well, what, what are you talking about? It, all your Alzheimer's journey with somebody else how how did you experience the grace of God? Cindy just showed you right there. Diane says, my mother is in end-state Alzheimer's dementia. Her personality changed during the middle stage from quiet and introverted to a pleasant, congenial, somewhat extroverted type. My mother had two strokes in February this year, which affected her speech and accelerated the dementia process. She just had her 91st birthday. 2023 is the first time she ever told me she loved me. I agree. While it is the long goodbye, the new mom is harder to care for, but easier to get along with. And I don't begin to understand that. I just know, Diane, thank you. It's, that's that's true in her case. And that's the other thing that I've learned about dementia or Alzheimer, Alzheimer's. It's different for everybody. You can't put a template over it and say, you know, this happens in every case. Let's go to uh, Russ in Chicago. Russ, why'd you call today? Well, I went through dementia both with my mother and my mother-in-law. And when my mother was going through it, I would talk. She was out in New Jersey. I'm in Chicago area. I would talk to her every week. <clears throat> and it was dementia or Alzheimer's, whatever. It's a kind of a downhill sine wave uh, because one week I'd talk to her and she'd be as clear as a bell. The next week she would be telling me about chickens in the yard. Uh, but my mother-in-law, who... Uh, was on a 12-year skid that lived in the area here. Uh, she lived by herself, and uh, she was still driving before, after she should have been. And getting on her way home, she would the way she found her house was to use her garage door opener to see what uh, which door opened, wow. uh, which was pretty ingenious. And then she lived with us the last 38 months. When she came in the door of our house, she didn't know who we were, and she never said a complete sentence that made any sense for a year uh, that 
or for the all the time she was with us. But after about a year, she was sitting at the kitchen table, and I was trying to get her to do something. And I, I finally, a third time, I said, did you hear what I said? And she said, as clear as a bell, she said, I heard what you said, but I did not understand what you said. Wow. And that was a, a re- that had to be of God because yeah. it, but it's a real eye opener to realize they hear words, but they have no idea what you're saying. Right. The processing, uh, the processing is gone. And, you know, there's something that a neurosurgeon or neurologist could tell you more about that, but just to yeah. be able to get that, uh, that sliver of them her explaining to you, even though she didn't know what she was explaining, right? Exactly. I mean, I, I'd walk in the door at night and I'd say, how you doing, Mom? She'd say, my shoes are red. Mm. Uh, so there, there's just no no connection between what you said and what was heard. So, <laughs> Russ, I'm really glad you called today. Thank you. And when I say, when I use the word isolated, what I'm talking about is that you heard in silence, you heard in uh, almost anonymity. That's what I've seen with that, that families, even if they are drawn closer together, they have, they kind of retreat. So everything is, is uh, cordoned off in, in the home someplace where it all happens there and no one, no one comes in and sees all of that, all of the pain that you're going through. Uh, and I'm glad to hear these stories about families that are uh, closer together. Melinda put this on Facebook. My sister and I reread Christy, Little Pilgrim's Progress, and other stories to our mom. She was still ornery, playing catch with a, sp- <laughs> a spiky, squishy ball. She and her sister recited Psalm 23 at the end of most visits up until near the end. She enjoyed churches coming to sing and when her daughter and I joined with the music. Melinda, thank you. Stephen's in Indiana. Stephen, tell me about your experience. Well, if I can get through this. Uh, My father passed away here about two years ago, and uh, he had Alzheimer's for a good while, and it's something that kind of runs in our our genome. Uh, His mother had had dementia for 12 years before she passed. <clears throat> and the, you were asking for bright spots. And at, towards the last few years he was, he was in, and he was uh, in, a, in a facility to help with memory loss, a cognitive unit. And we had also, prior to the, the pandemic, to, prior to 2020, March 2020, we did also... Uh, services in nursing homes. And the one thing I, I, I found is the one thing that seems to always bring a number of people back is that when they hear uh, the Holy Scriptures, mm-hmm. when they hear the old hymns, you can see the lights come on. Some people, they're just literally catatonic. They just come to life. I remember one of the last things Dad said to me, was he was crying. We were reading some passages of scripture. He said he was crying. I said, "What's wrong, Dad?" He didn't know my name, but he knew I was his son. He said, "It's hard." I said, "What's hard?" He said, "The waiting." He was just waiting to go home. Yeah. But when you see when you see the look on people's faces when you sing 
the old hymns, it's it it's they they just come to life. <sighs> so that's the glimmer. That's the you hope. did it. You did that's it, Stephen. Okay, so I got a I got a question for you then. Since this runs through, you say it's in the genome. Do you oh, yeah. do you have fear? Do you, as you t- tell me this story, are you thinking? I wonder if that's going to happen to me. Uh, I think about where you might think. Yeah, yeah. You know, you you catch yourself worrying every time a little bit, just a little bit. Uh, although the jokes always be new, you meet a lot of new friends every day. Yeah, but, exactly. Well, you know, you got five years somewhere. Uh, you you get those spells, you know, as we as we get older, uh, where we have days where we forget things. Dad was terrible about that because he watched his mom deteriorate, and where he I watched him do that and go through that. And I find I catch myself occasionally going, oh, you know, yeah. yes, yeah. You think about it. It's 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 definitely something you think about. And I don't think it's, you know, it's not wrong to think about and entertain the things. I think the enemy really wants to hold you down and hold you back, though, with that overwhelming fear, because it's one of the it's one of the things that the character that I wrote about deals with. It's because he has done stuff in his own strength for all of his life because he's controlled everything and he's done everything. And so when he gets to that idea of spiritually and not being able, you know, he wants to do it. He wants to earn his keep with God and then earn the love of the people around him. And the less he can remember, the more he sees, I don't have anything to offer them like I used to. And his wife says to him, Gray, why won't you just let us love you? (laughs) And that goes for a, a dementia patient and a family, you know, just allow us to love you well, as well as the striving person that's out there who's saying, but I got to earn it from God. I've got to earn it from my family. Just, just accept that love like Stephen was given for his dad, to his dad. God bless you, Stephen. Thank you. Um, Amy says on Facebook, very hard times, absolutely. But I loved our time together. My siblings missed out. That's okay. I would be there for my mom, I think it is. I'd be there for her again. We lost my mom to Alzheimer's in 2020, October, Carrie says. And I felt lost. I felt I lost her a few years sooner mentally. Going to memory care unit to see other patients scared me. For others, I will always be traumatized from that experience. See, and there's part of the reality. You can't spike that. You can't put it, you can't gild that lily. It's there. Um, Susan is in Indiana. Tell me why you called, Susan. Hey, Chris. Hi. I'm in a car pickup line, so if you hear some noise, <laughs> that's my background noise. But I called because I, a long time ago, my mom uh before she passed, was suffering with Alzheimer's. And I was in a place where I was hoping that we really knew Christ as one. And I was kind of worried and concerned that I was just imagining it. And she was in Florida. I was at the time in California. And my mom had my sister call me one day, and it was a day where she couldn't even put two words together, much less a phrase. 
And all of a sudden, in the middle of the conversation, she stated, and Jesus is the only way, and went back to the dysfunctional conversation. So God is good. He brings blessing. Wow. He is a good, good father. (laughs) That little sliver of truth worked its way in, didn't it? Isn't that amazing? It did. It did, and it was such a gift. I mean, because I had just been praying about it. Oh, that day or the day before, and concerned, and here my sister had my mom call, and she had no idea that that was the burden in my heart, and the Holy Spirit just worked it out to give me that peace, and she passed about six months later. You know what this is telling me? Susan, thank you. These stories, and all of our lines are going right now. If you're on the line, hang on. I want to get to as many stories as we can, but all of this is telling me that what Greg said, the truck driver in Oregon said, is absolutely right. There is, it's hard. It is, it is really hard. And doing it alone, walking this alone is even harder. But there are glimmers of grace in the middle of this. It's why I called Grayson, Grayson, because it's Grace, <laughs> Grace Son. Saving Grayson is our featured resource. It's actually our gift. If you support us in any way at chrisfabrylive.org, you give a gift of any size. I want to send you, the novel just came out this week, and it's our thank you. If you go to the website, chrisfabrylive.org, you can see it right there. Give a gift of any size. Or if uh, you want to call 866-95-FABRY is the number. We'd love to send you a copy of this, Saving Grayson, 866-953-2279. More straight ahead on Moody Radio. Remember the Supreme Court's decision a year and a half ago that put the question of abortion back to the state's? Uh, There's an election on Tuesday, and one of the things, it showed the number of things that election did. One of them for me, though, is the critical need for an organization like CareNet. They are a network of 1,200 affiliated pregnancy centers across the country who provide free pregnancy tests, free ultrasounds, pregnancy decision coaching, options counseling, material support, parenting education, and more. The knock against pro-lifers has always been, well, you care about the baby and only until it's born. CareNet shows the fallacy of that statement. It's not true. It is a gospel-infused ministry that is pro-abundant life for all, the baby, the mother, the father. There's probably somebody you know who hasn't heard about CareNet who's going to need CareNet. Click the green CareNet button at chrisfabrylive.org. And check out the blogs and the other links there. Roland Warren, we talked with him a couple of months ago. There's some excellent pieces that he's written, or you'll see his videos. And one of them, actually a couple, are about the parallels of slavery and the Dred Scott decision and abortion. Uh, I found it really encouraging. So click CareNet when you go to chrisfabrylive.org, chrisfabrylive.org. Our goal today, if you're just tuning in, is to encourage you in some way with a memory you might have placed in the back of your mind and and forgot if you are walking through a new diagnosis of Alzheimer's or dementia, or you don't have a diagnosis, but you, you know what's going on. Don't do this alone. You need support. But also, as Greg wrote, it's it's really hard, but there are glimmers of grace. There are sweet moments 
in this journey. John is in Ohio. Hi, John. Go right ahead. Tell me your story. Good afternoon, Chris. My wife, Linda, and I have been involved in nursing home ministry for over 20 years. So I I could do a whole program with you just sharing stories. But one of my favorites is uh, uh, we would go into a memory care unit and we'd talk to a gentleman named Joe. Well, Joe would always talk about, you know, going fishing that day and which in his mind he probably did. So when I went back to see him, I said, hey, hey, Joe, how many fish did you catch today or something, you know? But Joe never wanted never wanted me to talk to him about Jesus. He didn't want to hear about Jesus. Well, one day my wife was near me, and she mentioned the word heaven. And Joe says, oh, I want to go to heaven. So Linda says, well, Joe, do you know what you have to do to go to heaven? And God opened Joe's mind up long enough that he prayed the sinner's prayer with my wife. The next time we went back to the home, I look around for Joe. He's not there. Went up to one of the nurses, asked about Joe, and said, just before you guys came, they had to take Joe to the hospital by ambulance. And before we left... That nurse came up to me and says, Joe didn't make it. But we're going to see Joe again someday. And But that God was. opened his mind just long enough. So if anyone going through this journey, don't give up. Yes. As long as, there's, the, long as your loved one is breathing, there's hope. What a divine appointment. And isn't it interesting that he would he would take that from your wife, but he didn't want to hear it from you? Uh, that's just I was saying the wrong word. Yeah, <laughs> that's great, uh, John. Thank you. That again, there's there's the encouragement from John and Joe. It's John, Joe, Judy in Miami. Hi, Judy. Go right ahead. Hi. How are you? So first, I wanted to thank you for sharing this uh, conversation. Uh, Alzheimer's is a terrible disease. It does um, change the personality and the, and the way uh, the patient acts. But I have a beautiful story as well about my mother-in-law. Um, and she lived with us for two and a half years uh, during her, uh, her time with Alzheimer's. And there was moments of difficulty, anger, uh, aggression, completely forgotten. But there was also beautiful moments where the Lord allows to have beautiful conversations to talk about things that she will remember when she was a child. I became her best friend. I became her sister. I, you know, I wore many hats, but she never remind, remind, remember me as, as, my, as a daughter-in-law, only, you know, new friend. But we had a, a, a beautiful interaction during that time, and it was all uh, allowed by the Lord. And you have to be, you got to be committed to it in order, you know, when the anger comes and all of that, you have to make the decision before any of that happens, how you're going to respond and and what you're going to do in response to that kind of pushback, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But I knew that the Lord was allowing me to have the opportunity to be able to talk to her about him. Uh, she was not uh, saved. And um, she was very resilient every time we tried to talk to her about Jesus and, and you know, and and those things. But um, during those conversations, it was a, it was a complete different experience. Yeah. 
Judy, thank you for your call today. God bless you, friend. Thanks for telling me about your your mom-in-law. Uh, Meg is in Cleveland, Ohio. Meg, join the conversation. Hi, Chris. Um, I would like to tell you about my mom. When she got Alzheimer's, my dad was taking care of her at home. And my dad decided to take a trip to Europe with my brother to retrace his steps from World War II. And so I was asked to come and stay with my mom. So um, I was a fairly new Christian at the time, and my parents were not, they did not know the Lord. And so I was really praying that there would be an opportunity, there would be an open window of clarity where my mom could understand the gospel. I had no idea how that was going to happen, but I was reading my Bible every morning, and so one morning I said to my mom, actually it was the first morning I was there, I said, Mom, would you like to read the Bible with me? And she said, sure. And my mom was not opposed to reading the Bible, but they weren't believers. So we sat down, and at that time I was reading through the Psalms, and Every psalm I read had a verse about salvation in it, and I couldn't believe it because I was kind of skipping around. And um, and then there was a verse that said um, about the brokenhearted. And my mom said, oh, I'm brokenhearted. And so we talked about that for a little while. Well, by the time I got done reading the psalms, I said, well, you know, Mom, I said, um, maybe one of these days, um, we can pray for you to be saved. And she said, well, why can't we just pray right now? <sighs> and I said, okay. And so I led her through a sinner's prayer, and we had discussed salvation. It wasn't like I just sprung it on her. We had discussed it. And so I prayed with her, and then, um, and it was glorious. That was wonderful. Then later in the day, uh, when Alzheimer's patients have sundowning, she got very anxious and wanted to call her her dad that died when I was in fourth grade. Um, and I said, Mom, let's just stop and pray. And she stopped and we prayed and she calmed down. And I was like, wow. thank you, Lord. This is so sweet. But then, so that was wonderful. But I wanted to tell you a funny story about her. Um, my dad had some surgery, so I had to come and stay with him to take care of my mom while he was recovering. And um, every morning I would get her um, out of bed and into the bathroom to get her shower. And I would lay all her clothes out in the bathroom so that when she was finished, everything was there that she needed. So, And then I would go into the kitchen and start making breakfast for all of us. So I'm in the kitchen making breakfast and I hear the bathroom door open and I hear, yoo-hoo! And I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> And so I walked down the hall and I said, yes. And my mom said, you forgot a certain piece of clothing. <laughs> and I was so puzzled because I had been doing this every day. And so I was like, okay. And so I started walking back down the hall to her room to get this missing piece of clothing. And my dad was in another bedroom and he called me in and he said, she just walked down that hall and put that piece of clothing back in her bedroom and then went back to the bathroom and called you. I said, you have got to be kidding. She can't even put a sentence together. And she came up with that. So I took the piece of clothing that was missing back to my mom. 
And I knocked on the door, and she opened up the door and stuck her little bit of her face out of the door. <laughs> and I said, Mom, here it is. And she said, sometimes we forget. <laughs> she, want, she wanted someone else to forget yeah. something. Uh. And she planned that whole thing out. It was so funny. I just couldn't believe it. <laughs> what a connection. You know, and I can I can just hear it in your voice, Meg, the love that was there. And again, you're not saying that it was peaches and cotton candy all the time. And it was hard. It was really a struggle. And yet there were these these moments. And there's so many other folks that are on the that are on the line here. I knew that we'd touch a nerve. I hope that it encourages you today, these stories that you're hearing. And I have one more for you. When we come back, I want you to hear uh, the story of a, of a man and a woman sitting down by a lake. And they're having a conversation. And this is an imagined conversation by yours truly that I wrote for a, a magazine, Mature Living magazine. But it showcases exactly what we're hearing today at the back fence. And again, if you want to send a, a gift to Chris Fabry Live of any amount... We'll send you the new novel. It came out this week, Saving Grayson. Just go to chrisfabrylive.org, and you can see it right there, chrisfabrylive.org or 866-95-FABRY. More straight ahead on Moody Radio. I wrote a short story based on two characters in Saving Grace, and it was published by Mature Living. This is not from the book. It's a a short story called A Fierce Love, and we have it linked at the website today. Grayson is a writer. He carries a legal pad everywhere he goes because he's trying to solve a mystery. So I asked Ryan, find the music for this scene from A Fierce Love. Grayson Hayes sat on the bench overlooking the lake, watching the sun dapple and ripple the water. A gentle breeze lifted tufts of his graying hair. He had a yellow legal pad in his left hand like it was a life preserver. It's all in here, he said, his blue eyes twinkling. I've got a whopper of a story. I just need to get it down on the page. That's the trick, getting it out of here. He pointed to his chest. And the only way to do that is to sit in the chair and do the work. A fly fishing rod sat propped against the bench. There was no line or lure, just the lonely soldier of a pole. Grayson turned to the woman beside him. She wore blue jeans and a sweater. She had blue eyes, brown hair, and a fair complexion, and a killer smile, like some movie star. She looked young to Grayson. How old are you? I can't tell how old people are anymore. How old do you think I am? I don't know, maybe 30. The woman nodded. You're close. The Lord was in his 30s. He got a lot done in three decades. He glanced at her, then back at the lake. I'd ask your name, but I'm not good with them anymore. I understand. I have a hard time remembering names, too. She crossed her legs and stared at the water as if it were too difficult to look Grayson in the eyes. Then she broke the silence. What's your story about? What story is that? She pointed at the legal pad. The one in there. Oh, that one. Grayson shook his head. 
It's about everything in the world. All the bad and the good and what's between. What's deep inside that rises to the surface. You see, I put things down in here that come back to me. Things I don't want to forget. The hopes and dreams and fears. That sounds like a complicated story. Who's it about? Grayson turned and gave her a hard look. I don't talk about my stories before I write them. If you talk about them, they lose all the steam. You never get them out. I'm sorry. Nothing to be sorry about. Just the way it is. I'm not trying to be mean. I know. You see, I have this disease. At least that's what the doctors say. I don't really feel any different. It's got something to do with the computer upstairs. He pointed at his head. It's got a bug in it. Alzheimer's. That's it. You know about it? Grayson sat straight. You don't have it, do you? No, I've just heard about it. He sighed heavily and sat back. Well, that's good. Grayson leafed through his legal pad as if reaching, searching for something he wasn't sure he would find. I got notes in here and ideas. Sometimes during the night I'll wake up and jot them down. Dreams and things that scare me. Wake me up in a sweat. But that's what a good story will do. It'll deal with the scary things, the struggle. I believe the tension you have in your life moves you forward if you let it. What's your biggest fear? I've got so many it's hard to give a pecking order. But the one that comes to mind... A red bird flew past them, and Grayson tracked it to a tree by the lake. He studied the bright plumage. I used to think people who died turned into other things. A red bird was somebody you used to know and care about who was watching over you, and it was a sign when you saw one. You don't think that anymore? No, that's not the way it works. Souls of people don't become something else. Some probably think that, but people are people, and they don't turn into birds or angels or rocks. Now, that red bird is part of God's creation, and you can learn something from studying a creature like that. Why did God create something so pretty? The woman kept her eyes on the bird as it flitted from branch to branch. Then it flew to a house and lit on the roof. See that house down there? Grayson said. Looks more like a cottage, doesn't it? It's nice. Have you been inside it? Sure have. It has a great view of the lake, especially the loft upstairs. It's a writing loft. Is that so? A writer lives there? I wonder if I've read anything by him. Or maybe it's a her. Is it a woman writer? No, a man lives there. Well, I need to meet this fella. Do you know him? I do. He lives there with his wife. And she loves him fiercely. Is that so? Why'd you say it like that? Fiercely. Love is supposed to be tender and gentle, isn't it? Sure. But there's also a fierce kind of love. Long-suffering is the word I would use. Well, that sounds biblical, and it sounds like a hard kind of love, costly. Sometimes love is difficult because you don't know how to love. You don't know what it looks like. Are these people nice, the ones who live over there? I'd say so. Grayson scratched at his whiskers. Somebody asked me the other day what state I live in. I told him I live in a state of confusion. He shook his head and chuckled. Wish I had a nickel for everything I've forgotten. I'd be a rich man. You are a rich man, Grayson. How do you figure that? 
Some people are rich because they have a big bank account, lots of land. Other people are rich because... The woman stopped speaking when Grayson put his legal pad down and stood. He looked quickly to his left, then his right. What's wrong, she said. My dog, he was right here a minute ago. Grayson shielded his eyes from the sun on the water and took a deep breath, as if to yell something. But he let the air out without speaking. You mean Dubose? the woman said. That's his name. How'd you know that? I've seen him here with you. He's a good friend of yours, isn't he? Where'd he go? I better not lose that dog. He turned and looked up the hill behind him. If I do, I'm sure he'll be along soon. Probably on hunting rabbits. Grayson laughed. That would be just like him, chasing something he could never catch and not knowing what to do with it if he did. Grayson pulled at his ear. Sit down, Grayson. He looked at her, then plopped on the bench. The way I look at it, dogs are more faithful than a lot of people, at least the ones I've met. But I'll tell you one thing, you can't find a dog as faithful as old DeBose. You two have been through a lot together. Grayson's eyes watered. Yes, ma'am, we have. There'll never be another dog like that, I don't think. A moment later, he glanced at the woman. What were we talking about? What you're afraid of. Yeah, right. Let me ask you something. Do you believe in God? She nodded. Do you think God can forgive the sins you can't remember? Is that what scares you the most? He pulled at his ear. Then he reached for the yellow legal pad and held on. And like a red bird that had flown, he was gone again. We have that story linked at the website, chrisfabrylive.org. A fierce love... And the novel, Saving Grayson, is our thank you this month that features that same fella there. Thanks for your support. You can find out more at the website, chrisfabrylive.org. And if this is your experience of that long goodbye, God bless you, friend. Look for those glimmers of grace, those sweet moments, and hang on to them in the middle of the hard and know that you're not alone. Thanks for being with us. Have a great weekend. Come back next week for more of Chris Fabry Live, a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.